Episode 27 of the Small Biz Startup Essentials podcast, Ghostwriting Revealed. Emily Crookston, owner of The Pocket PhD, and how she makes the book writing process heavenly. How do you qualify people in their ideas to see if it's really a viable book concept? So I like to talk about, there is a big difference, I think, between ideas and bookworthy ideas. Um, and I think a lot of people wonder whether they, their idea is, you know, will give them enough words for a book. You know, like, is my idea too simple, too simplistic to write a whole book about, you know? And I, I always like to go back to the blogging stuff, because if you've written several blog posts on a particular topic, if you've written like three or five blog posts on a particular topic, then there's a good chance you could write a book about it. Um, so, you know, to me, it's, it's not so much figuring out, is this idea like a, a million dollar idea as it is figuring out, is this an idea that I could spin out enough that, to give my readers enough information that they could use? Welcome to the Small Biz Startup Essentials Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Claremont, and my goal is to help equip you through the personal brand small business startup process by providing you with enough tips and tools in these episodes so that your pivot through the small business startup process goes a lot smoother and you're more profitable quicker. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a like on the platform you're using. You can go to TomClaremont.com for more information on how I can help you with your new startup. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Startup Essentials Podcast. Very pleased to have with us today, Emily Crookston, owner of The Pocket PhD. Now, Emily is a former uh, philosophy professor who left the world of academia in teaching, but found that she could utilize her research skills when she discovered her love for long-form writing. This led to her zone of genius as a ghostwriter. She's worked with dozens of clients ranging from professionals in medicine and finance to powerhouse CEOs and even mountain climbers with harrowing survival stories to share. If you think ghostwriters only work for celebrities or high-profile executives, well, Emily believes that everyone could use another set of eyes on their content. If you're strapped for time and itching to share your ideas that you're passionate about, reach out to Emily Crookston. Emily, thanks for being with us today to share your story and how this all came about for you, for how to uh, go from that transition from job to self-employment. Yeah, thanks, Tom. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me to be here. This is, this is fun. So, you know, one of the goals of the podcast is to help you know, new or aspiring entrepreneurs transition uh, into that realm of self-employment. How did you work through your transition and get into that realm of being a ghostwriter? Um, yeah, my transition. So when I was a professor, you know, I was hoping to land a tenure track job and in the world of academia, what that means is you get tenure and then um, basically unless something catastrophic happens, the university can't fire you. They can't get rid of you. So that is you know, job security in academia. Uh, but I spent about eight years trying to get a job like that. And I had been, you know, in one year positions bouncing around a bit. Um, and I was getting tired of that 
uncertainty <laughs> of living that that uncertain life and keeping applying for jobs. Um, so I when I thought I was going to leave academia, I wondered, well, what can I do? <laughs> I, all I wanted to do was a, be a philosophy professor, you know, basically, anytime I thought about having a career, that was, that was the thing that I wanted, you know, so I had to sort of rethink everything um, about myself and, and what I wanted to do. Uh, but I said, so, you know, when I was 13, I liked marketing. And it happened that a friend of a friend was looking for marketing help. So she has a web development company and marketing company um, she owns. And I became her intern and started writing her blog and blogging for her clients. Um, so that's how I sort of got started in the idea of ghostwriting. I mean, a lot of people say this to me, but I also thought the same thing. I didn't realize ghostwriting was an option for a job that, that people had really until I sort of stumbled upon it, I guess you would say. Um, yeah. So you started in ghostwriting as a business though, right? You started your business yeah. as a ghostwriter. Was it something that you got a taste of in advance though? Like you did it a little bit before you started your business? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when I decided I was going to leave academia, I said, okay, I'm going to take a year to figure out what to do. So I was teaching for that year. But at the same time, I started interning for her and writing the blog. And then at some point, she said to me, you know, you could start a business. And I thought, oh, that's that would be a good solution to my problem. You know, I had sort of pictured going into corporate, working for a marketing agency, you know, that was sort of my trajectory in my mind. Um, but she said, you could start a business. And I thought, oh, that would solve a lot of problems <laughs> for me. Um, so my dad owned a small business as well. So that wow. also in my head, I thought, oh, yeah, he did it. So I think, you know, I could do it. it you know, it, I think people see entrepreneurship. If, if you're in a, you know, secure job like academia or, or any kind of corporate job, they see we see entrepreneurship as pretty risky. You know, starting a business feels a little bit scary because there's a lot to learn. Um, but after the idea was planted in my head and I realized, oh, well, yeah, my dad has been doing that for 30 years or something and he's making it work. Uh, maybe I can give it a shot, you know, and, and it, you know, so it just felt like a, the right fit at the time. Well, if dad can do it, I can do it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, exactly. That, that, is, that was definitely part of the thought process. But also, I think I shied away from starting a business because I could see from the inside the, the difficulties that he had and the challenges. Um, I'm the oldest of five. And so I, could, I remember the whole evolution of the business. I remember when he started it around like 1988, I think. Um, you know, and I remember the years where there were, there were definitely some lean years. You know? <laughs> um, and so I knew that there were going to be some challenges, but yeah. Yeah. it also gave me some confidence to try it. Right. And, and, and I married uh, someone with a doctorate as well, and she's teaching. Uh, yeah. in the realm of, of physics. And, and so I'm opening her up to that. She's had that entrepreneurial bug in, in the back of her mm. head, but being married to me, she's, she's, you know, feels more confident and that it's more of a possibility. And so yeah. she's sort of, you know, thinking about the, the realm of, you know, do, do I have a course? Do I write a book? Things like that. So, um, so I understand when you said that, you know, that, that realm of academia sees, sees it as a big risk. I, 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 I get that. 
Um, so how did you sort of land with uh, the realm of, of business books? Uh, how did you sort of go through that yeah. you know, process of narrowing down that as your niche? Yeah, that's a great question. So, right. So I was doing blogging at the beginning and I discovered or I realized, you know, if I really want to make a good living blogging, I'm going to have to be writing like 10 blogs a week. And that just sounded like a lot. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, I could do longer projects, you know, I could. So I started sort of writing like ebooks and white papers and, and reports and things like that. Um, but at some point, I realized, oh, books, you know, I could write books for people. And that, you know, I started meeting a lot of people who were working on business books or working on books for their business. And I thought, oh, well, this could be an interesting niche. Um, and when I started, I said I, I, I would only do nonfiction because I, as much as I love reading fiction, I can't imagine writing it. And also, I, I, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea of ghostwriting fiction books for people. Um, I just think, you know, if you're going to write a novel, it's, it's, I mean, it's almost more of an art form. You know, it's more creative. And it seems sort of strange to imagine ghostwriters doing fiction work, although I'm sure there are some who do that. So nonfiction just made sense to me, fit with my background, you know, philosophy is nonfiction writing. <laughs> There's a lot of writing in philosophy. It's very technical writing, in fact. And so I saw how technical writing could really be translated to business writing. Um, so the business book just made a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, the way I would define a business book is anything that you want, that you can make a business case for writing. Um, so maybe you want to become a speaker. Um, so you want, so you want to have a book so that you can get paid for your speaking gigs. Um, that would be a business book. So I th sort of see them as a how-to book. A lot of people write books about, you know, I have this methodology that I've worked out with my clients. Now I'm going to write it up as a book and a system that other people can use. Um, so a how-to book or a lot of people want to write interview-based books. I know a lot of great uh, entrepreneurs. Let me interview all of them and come away with some tips and write, a, write those up in a book. Um, so those are kind of the main ways. There's also, I think a lot of business books end up with some biographical information, some sort of, they're almost memoir-ish. Um, and, you know, every, I encourage every person who's writing a book to include some of their personal story, because that's the real connection that you can make with the readers. Um, so business book, self-help, personal development, that's kind of the space uh, that I work in. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about the mindset uh, realm as well. It's, so it's, it, at first I thought when you said the realm of business books, it was, it was a really narrow field and, and what you just said really opened it up to, uh, to anybody that can make a business case out of it. And I get the fact that like uh, being a ghostwriter for a, a a fiction book it's sort of like it's just all fantasy land right it's it's like how do you how do you come up with somebody else right yeah I don't yeah I don't know it seems strange I mean I can't imagine myself saying to someone oh you know I want to have a novel could you write a novel for me <laughs> so I can put my name on it <laughs> so in the realm of business books there's there's a, a there's a total realm of, of, you know, reality and, and this truisms to, to the writing, you know, it's, it's, it's not just stuff you're, you're making up. Um, so I, I, I get that. I, that's great. So um, you, there's, 
you know, maybe some potential writers or, you know, um, new writers out there that might be uh, listening. Um, do, you, do you find that there's certain software or, you know, hardware tools that can, you know, maybe help you to be a much better writer? So like, like on the hardware side, like for me, when I, when I got an external keyboard and, and, a, and a big external monitor, it made writing a lot easier for me. I wasn't crunched over on my little laptop. But, uh, you know, are there tools that you like to use uh, for, that make writing easier? Yeah, sure. Um, so I love to use Google Docs really simply for, for all the writing creation that I do. I find it easy. You know, um, the nice thing about Google Docs is I can edit it. My client can edit it. We can see in real time each other working on the document if we want to. Um, so I really like that. I like how the comments and the suggestions work in Google Docs better than in Word, for example, where you're doing track changes. Um, I just find the Google Docs a lot more intuitive for that kind of collaborative work. So that's why I really like it for writing. Um, other tools that I like to use, I use Notion um, for productivity stuff. Like I, I keep all my uh, commitments and my goals and my to-do list. And uh, I have a writing apprentice and he and I work together in Notion. Um, so keeping things organized, I really like that. Um, and, you know, as far as hardware, I, I use my laptop. I'm, I'm good with that. But I could see how having a full keyboard is really helpful for you um, and more comfortable. I'm working on getting a desk. <laughs> I don't even have a, have a proper desk at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to keep things really simple. The other thing I like about Google Docs is the text to um, or the voice to text feature is really nice. So a lot of people get stuck with the writing of writing you know, like putting fingers to keyboard. Um, and they find it easier to just talk through their books. And that's a great way to do it. You know, if you're if you spend a lot of time in the car, for example, you can pull up a voice memo and start talking through your book um, or use the, like I said, voice to text in Google. Um, it's a faster way to get your <laughs> ideas out of your head um, and easier. Yeah. Right. And in, in years past, I used to spend a lot of money on that with Dragon Speak. Yeah. Right? Right. And and it was pretty good, but it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be for the money I spent. Right. Um, yeah. But but nowadays there's a, yeah. a whole world of, of voice to uh, to text. Right? Yeah, it's really good. And I find the one in Google to be especially great. You know, um, you have to make little fixes, but. You know, I, I can't do that. Like my ideas come out through my fingers. I don't know why, but that's the way I work. So I have a hard harder time talking um, through things. But when I've created an online course, for example, I'll have my notes and then I'll just talk through it. And it's really fast. I mean, it's, it's, it's really nice that way. Good. So how do you qualify people in their ideas to see if it's really a, a viable book concept? Yeah, so I like to talk about there is a big difference, I think, between ideas and bookworthy ideas. Um, and I think a lot of people wonder whether they their idea is, you know, will give them enough words for a book, you know, like, is my idea too simple, too simplistic to write a whole book about, you know, and I, I always like to go back to the blogging stuff, because if you've written several blog posts on a particular topic, if you've written like three or five blog posts on a particular topic, then there's a good chance you could write a book about it. 
Um, so, you know, it, to me, it's, it's not so much figuring out, is this idea like a, a million dollar idea as it is figuring out, is this an idea that I could spin out enough that to give my readers enough information that they could use? Um, so I'm always thinking in terms of who your audience is, what they need to hear in the moment. Um, and I think that that's one of the best benefits of working with someone experienced in the writing world because they can tell you right away, oh, I see what your audience needs. You know, I see that this could be valuable to them that could help them. Just taking a little break here in the middle, folks, to let you know about two free eBooks I have available for you. Turning your passion into a profitable side hustle and growing your business using social media. Each one is about 50 pages long, has lots of helpful tips for you as, as you get your new business off the ground. These two ebooks will be especially helpful if you're not quite sure what to do and when to do it. So let's get back to the episode. Do you sort of coach people through that process for like if they have a history of, of writing uh, a blog, you know, and maybe like, OK, you know, show me some stats on what was most popular with your audience and we'll 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 look at what works for them more than what works for for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. like how do you sort of just determine uh, the, the content that's best to use that they've already written? Yeah, that's a good way to do it. You can look at the stats for sure. Or I always, you know, if you're doing blogging, you're probably also on social media for your business. Um, so I like to use LinkedIn, for example. Um, I'll just, you know, small ideas end up on LinkedIn and then anything that sort of takes off on that platform, I know is an idea that I can spin out into a longer blog post or work on as a chapter of my book. Um, so that's, you know, taking the temperature of your audience, whatever that looks like is a good idea. The other thing I really recommend for new authors is um, what I call vocal validation. And that is you want to talk about your book idea as soon as it, as you can. I know people, sometimes people get nervous. They want to wait until they've written a couple chapters before they talk about it because they're not sure if it's the, really the way they want to go or if they're going to stick with the idea. But talking through your ideas when they're half-baked is the most important thing you can do because that's going to get your mind going. You know, the person latches on to something and it might be an, a little idea that you hadn't even considered writing an entire chapter on, say, like you thought it was going to be a piece of a chapter. But the the listeners, you know, you all you do is pick like five people and and bring the idea to them and see what they have to say. Let get some feedback from them, um, and that can really steer your writing so that it's more interesting and it's more you know useful for your audience. Right. So beyond the stats, you're you're getting real data from real people that are right in front of you that can give you real input mm -hmm. and sort of help steer the idea. You know, maybe. The idea needs a little tweaking or something. Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting because people will say, okay, well, I'll get feedback once the book is written. You know, let me draft it and then I'll send it around for feedback. Right. But the problem with that is people see that you've put in the effort to write an entire book. So they're less likely to give you real criticism. They're, they're like, oh, well, they worked really hard on this idea. It must be good. 
you know, if they're thinking that in their heads, but when you're getting the feedback in real time in a conversation, you're just going to get better information. Right. And that's a whole lot of effort and time and money to put into a book when you're right. not really sure if it's going to take off mm-hmm. and it might be costing you a large sum of money if you had just tweaked it to be a little bit better in advance, right? Exactly. So where does where do you see uh, the, the, the book writing process fall into someone's you know, business plan? You know, some would say, write the book first, and I'm going to build a business around it. But others might sort of use it as more of a way to to prove uh, expertise, so to speak. What's your view on that? Yeah, so I think I see a lot of people trying to write books, what I would say is too early in their business. uh, Because figuring out the idea for a book you know, takes time. And when you're brand new in your business, you're putting out so many fires and you feel stretched in so many different directions because you're trying to create everything, (laughs) all the assets that you need. Um, So I say, don't start thinking about a book right away in your business. Let your ideas percolate a little bit. Let, you know, feel your way along and figure out, you know, what's, what's really valuable about what I'm selling and what I have to give here. Um, so, for example, I'm I'm going to be in my fifth year of business in May. I'm going to be starting my fifth year, and I'm just starting to write my book now. And that's a, been a pretty natural progression for me because you know I've always had it in my head that I was going to write a book, um, but I needed the idea to come to me in the right kind of way. I needed to get really clear about my brand so that I know that the book can fit into the brand and it doesn't seem disjointed. Um, you know, you can spend a lot of time writing a book, but then, you know, two years from now, your brand could totally change. And then, you know, what are you going to do with that book? Now it just sits on the shelf. And lots of people do that. And people will say, you know, your first book isn't the most important thing. That's just you getting, you know, shaking the cobwebs out or <laughs> testing the waters. And that's a good way to think of it. You know, you shouldn't think about your first book being the bestseller necessarily. Um but still, writing a book is a lot of work and hard, hard work, and it, it can give you a lot of clarity around your brand. Um, but I think get the brand clarity first in other ways, um, and then you can come around. You'll write a better book if you, if you wait. Gotcha. So, you know, I've, I just recently read a, a, a book by Pat Flynn, mm-hmm. Will It Fly? And uh, it's a good book. But he started out the book by saying, you know, this is sort of like an accumulation of a lot of blog posts that I put together and just tweaked to be a book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, yeah, that worked for him. But is that a is that a good concept? Is that a good rule of thumb to to do, or or is it just on a case by case situation that it was good for him? So I've worked with a couple people. It's interesting. I've worked with a couple people trying to do things that way, and I would say in one case it worked really well, and in another case it didn't work so well. <laughs> and I think what happens sometimes is people realize they've been blogging for four or five years or something. And they say, look, I have this body of work here and it's just sitting on my website. (laughs) I want to do something with it. And that's, you know, very valid, but you have to think about how much your thoughts and how much you as a business owner uh, or, you know, as a corporate person, whatever would have, have, have evolved over 
those many years, right? So my thinking when I started my business, like if I go back and read my very first blog post, very different from the way that I write now. And if I were to try to take all the my blogs and put them together in a book, it would feel really disjointed. And so I worked with somebody, she was a coach, and that, that was the situation. You know, she had these blog posts on so many different areas and themes and talking to different kinds of people and in different situations in her life that she'd been blogging about. That it, it was really hard to fit those together into a coherent book. On the other hand, I have a client right now, and she's a psychologist. She has, you know, a, a really beautiful body of blog posts really on the same topic of parenting, you know, and so that has been really nice. We've used a lot of those blog posts in her book as we've been working on it. Um, and because her thoughts were so clear within, you know, all across all of those blog posts, it became really easy to turn it into a book. So if, you know, you're thinking, you know, if you have in your mind, I'm going to start blogging and those blogs are going to become my book. That's very different from, oh, look, I have all these blog posts that I want to turn into a book. Oh, so if there's intentionality to it, like, you know, this is the plan, yes, exactly. it could work that way. As long as your writing style stays the same instead of like, after the fact, trying yes. to piece this all together. I got 100%. it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think qualifies someone from being a, a good author as opposed to being a, a great author? There might be people listening that want to write a book, but they're not quite sure if they have the right skills or skill sets or or a mindset or whatever to be a successful author what do you see as a good skill set to have mm -hmm. right uh i think if you're going to write your book yourself you really should love writing and you should really be good at it and i think to know that it is really, you know, the difference between a good author and a great author tends to be the amount of writing that you do. Because I think anybody can learn to be a really good writer. Um, and assuming you like it, right? Because that's, that's the challenge. If you can learn to become a really good writer, but if you don't enjoy it, if it's not something that's fun, you're probably not going to put in the time um, to become great. And I, I wonder about people who you know, want to write a book, but they hate writing. Uh, you know, some of those people are, are my clients <laughs> because they, they find a ghostwriter and that solves their problem. Um, but there are people who, you know, it, it, it looks like a credential to them or something, right? They, they, they want to be an author. They, they have in mind that, you know, that is the street cred that they want. Um, and so they think the authorship is going to feel like success to them. And maybe it will, but if you don't love the writing, if you're if you're not focused on becoming great at it, then I just don't see a lot of point to to writing a book yourself. Um, it's a lot of pain, that's a lot of trouble, and there are lots of ways to build platforms these days. Um, so I really think you've got to have a hunger to write it. You've got to you got to feel good about your writing skills and you've got to really enjoy the process of writing a book to, to really make it work for you. Mm, gotcha. So with all that we went through in, in 2020, was was that a, a good year for you or was it hard for you as well? Because of all everybody, you know, spending more time at home and and more focus on thing, other things, you know, did that, how did that work out for you? 
Yeah, it was a great year for me, actually. I, I think my best year in business. Um, yeah, so when the pandemic hit in March, you know, I panicked like everyone else, I think, <laughs> and said, oh, that's the end of my business. You know, who's going to spend a lot of money to write their books with me uh, when they're not sure of the future? You know, they're not sure what, uh, whether they're going to have a business in a year. Um, and I think that because a lot of people reacted the same way, I think when, when the, you know, uncertainty happens, the, the reaction is to shut things down, to slow down, to pull back on expenses and things because you're not sure. Um, so I felt that slow down for like four or five months, I would say. So I didn't have any ghostwriting clients until July last year. Um, but then I ended up having two come between July and the end of the year. And for me, I only need two or three um, clients a year to, to make my revenue goals. Um, so I was fine with that. You know, it just kind of compacted the work a little bit uh, for me. But the other thing I did was I really leaned into LinkedIn. So I've built my business on networking and referrals. Um, I knew that that was going away with the pandemic. Um, so I just hit LinkedIn really hard. I made myself very consistent there on that platform. And I've been building um, my audience over there. And that has led to um, the clients that I needed. So whereas I were, was getting clients through referrals and in-person networking, now most of them are coming to me through LinkedIn. Good. It, it sounds like LinkedIn is your social media platform of, of choice, right? Yes. Do you do anything else on other social media platforms? Yeah, I have a presence on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, um, but those aren't my focus. And that's another thing I would recommend to new entrepreneurs. I think you could choose one platform and that's your main platform. Everything else can sort of be like spokes off of that hub of content. So LinkedIn is mine. You could use um, Instagram if, if you know, that's where your audience is. So how did you decide on LinkedIn as being your, your primary platform? Yeah, I've always wanted to do more with LinkedIn because I really have always felt that's where most of my clients are and that's where they hang out because my clients are, like you mentioned in the beginning, you know, a lot of executives, a lot of people who are um, experts who are trying to figure out how to translate their ideas for a lay audience. Um, and, and that's where those folks hang out. They hang out on LinkedIn. Um, so it was an easy choice, easy decision for me. Good, good. Emily, one last question, if, if I could. Um, if somebody had aspirations to be a ghostwriter like yourself, you know, what sort of skill sets do you think that you would recommend that they had? Yeah, I think one of my best skills and one of the things that makes me really good fit for ghostwriting is that I can have a conversation with people. Um, and, you know, whenever I get on the phone with a prospect, it, it, and it's going well, you know, it feels just like a regular conversation. It doesn't feel like a sales call. Um, but we talk about your ideas, we figure out which of your ideas makes the most sense. Um, so being the kind of person who's curious about other people really helps with ghostwriting, because I, I just get into it, you know, I get excited about the idea in the same way they're excited about their idea. And that, you know, that's infectious, so then the person, you know, they say, Oh, I have a great idea. This this could be a real book, you know, um, and the confidence that you need to do that to write a whole book is is key. So it's helpful to have that. Of course, you need to be a good writer. If you're going to be a ghostwriter, you have to uh, know your grammar pretty well, at least. And, you know, um, I always tell people I'm not a proofreader. 
you know, if I'm going to write this book for you, I might miss some typos and things like that, because that's the nature of the creative process. Um, so you don't have to be a perfectionist about your grammar necessarily. Um, but you've got to be into ideas. You've got to be a, an idea chaser <laughs> of some kind. Good, good. Well, excellent stuff. Uh, really glad to hear uh, about the realm of ghostwriting and how you made that transition from, you know, academia into successful uh, business owner. Uh, I know you've got a course on your website uh, for people to to take as well if if they wanted to get into that realm of ghostwriting or or writing a book. I mean, yeah. so. Um, really uh, excellent uh, stuff today, Emily. And how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can find me on my website, which is thepocketphd.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Emily Crookston. Well, again, thanks for taking some time out of your day today to help uh, those listening on, on understanding your realm and what you do and how you do it. Thanks for being with us today. Happy to be here. Thanks, Tom. That's our episode for today. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. Once again, I have free resources for you that can help you with your small business startup. You can go to tomclaremont.com slash resources. There's a number of eBooks for you to download and some eBook bundles that have been very popular lately on the Power Tools page. If you need help with your small business startup, let's talk. Shoot me an email at tom at tomclaremont.com or you can book a free 30-minute discovery call directly from the website. Don't forget to check out the blog on the website as well for more tips and tools on your pivot to self-employment. 